Mother's Day is May 9th. Minky Couture is here to help you out. Get the best blanket ever. That is also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again. For our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day, get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code Zone 50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Time to welcome in Big T, Thurl Bailey, jazz analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Thurl, good morning. Good morning. Dude, I'm just enjoying hearing you say couture, man. That just sounds nice rolling off your tongue. Say it again. <laughs> Minky Couture. There you go. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, we've been talking. Uh, we've been talking about yeah. the worst. Sequ- I'm here. All right. <laughs> we've been talking about the worst sequels you've ever seen because the Jazz <laughs> lost to Minnesota, right down to a uh, you know the big early lead, the problem shooting the ball in the middle of the game, falling way behind, rallying, taking a one point lead. Uh, a turnover on an attempted alley-oop to Gobert, and ultimately they lost. It was the same game. And I mentioned Mall Cop 2 and PK Went Nuts. Uh, terrible movie. I heard. Didn't, didn't, wasn't unfortunate enough to see it. I know, I know, they made a second Star Wars and it was great. But the fourth, fifth, and sixth Star Wars were terrible. Yeah, I got lost on Star Wars when, when they started going back. I mean, Right, the whole prequel thing just did that. None, yeah, of, that, just, none of that worked. None of it. No. <laughs> I know, he's going to grow up to be Darth Vader. He's a terrible guy. <laughs> I got it. Well, you know, obviously, you know, those two losses really sting for the Jazz. I mean, I, I've been in situations myself as a player. I mean, I've played a lot of games my career, and, I'm not sure there's a situation I haven't seen or been in, been involved in, and I know how it feels to individually and then collectively come out and play a team that, you know, you you know that you're better than, uh, and record withstanding, you're in a position where teams are just gunning for you, whether they have something to, to play for or not, and. As we saw last night, there was some breakdowns. Jazz had an opportunity. I mean, obviously they had they lost that lead again, and they had an opportunity, and the effort was there to get back into it, and then just some breakdowns at the end. That really, when you think of where we are, where the Jazz are in this season, um, you know, those those kind of things just can't be happening. You've got to be able to not have those fourteen point quarters, and 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 be a lot more consistent. So. You, know, you are uh, very calm at all times, you know, and I've seen that uh, thing with NC State, and I think it was Sidney Green saying how he was going to take it to the guy with the goggles. And I know you weren't wearing goggles then, but for entertainment purposes, just stay with me here. <laughs> and, you know, you didn't say anything, and and we, we went through that. I've seen it multiple times. But I got to know, you know, inside you were burning, and your way of expressing it publicly was not like mine to scream and yell, and you were a calm dude, and you still are. Uh, but what do you think these guys are thinking internally now? Because it seems like the whole world, as far as the basketball world goes, are doubting these guys. Well, you can't discount the body of work. I mean, the Jazz are still in a great position, right? And this is the NBA. There's some really good teams out there. The West is obviously going to be tough, and um, you still have games to play. And so. When you're in a situation like that, I know with me internally, I was, you know, I, I couldn't be the same player 
the same person when I was out there on the court. You know, I had to take that nice guy, um, however you described it, and, you know, and and play, you know, differently and, and go out and be physical and go out and, and play my game. And, you know, I don't, we can go out to dinner after the game, but right now it's all business. So I think as an athlete, players kind of internalize it differently, but collectively is really going to be the key. You talk about the breakdowns you have. Obviously, I think the Jazz will watch the film. And uh, you heard Rudy last night about that defensive mistake. Uh, he owned it. And that's I think that's the first part of it, is owning it and, and really knowing these guys and, and, and what we've seen to this point, right? I mean, two games don't make a season. I mean, you're going to look back. These two games hurt for sure. But I think we've seen the Jazz time and time again uh, bounce back from defeats, you know, albeit uh, these two from a team at the bottom of the heap. But, um, yeah, I think, I think we know these guys well enough to know that, you know, they love to play and they love to compete and they love to figure things out. That's the way, that's the way Quinn coaches. What is it we have to do? And it hasn't happened the last two games, but I, mean, I don't know if, we ought to be saying, well, things are falling apart just because we lost to an NBA team with nothing to lose and, and uh, you know, and came out and beat the Jazz two games in a row. PK and I have been entertained all year by one stupid little thing. But, I mean, you know us, so you know how we are. So you're not surprised by that. Um, <laughs> Matt was Matt Harper was calling the game, and... Uh, he was trying to say law of averages, and he said law of numbers. And we do enough live radio and have said enough dumb stuff that we can totally identify with that. You know, your vocabulary, it just the word eludes you in the moment, right? But for whatever reason, I li- and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making this up, I love law of numbers. I now use it just to crack PK up whenever possible. I love to work it in. And, P- and, and the law of numbers, if you go big picture, you said body of work, right? The yeah. Jazz are winning about three-quarters of their games this year. So they had a nine-game win streak, and they've now gone 6-6 six and six in their last 12. Now, I don't want to get too wound up on two games. 6-6 six and six is a bigger chunk, and i got to say it's concerning because you want them improving and playing their best ball, and clearly at 6-6 six and six you're not. But if I go back a little more, I hit that nine-game win streak, and now they're 15-6. and six. So really, over a big period of time, I think the message Quinn has to get is, this is who you are. You're not better than 15 and 6, and you will mess up games, since we're on the radio, you will mess up games <laughs> to get back to basically who you've been in this body of work. So you're not just the team that won nine in a row, because you're not really that good. But you're not as bad as you've shown us, stinking up these last two games, and you've stunk them up horribly. You know, that 15 and 6... That's really who you are over the course of a season. That's the win pace you've been at since Christmas. So now, can they shake it off? Everybody screws up. Everybody loses. You're old enough to remember faux, faux, faux. You know which year and which playoff series, right? And they didn't do it. They went 4-5-4. Even those Sixers messed up a game, and Moses Malone wasn't right. But they shook off the one loss and annihilated everybody. So... Do you think the Jazz have the mental toughness to just shake this off and start win going forward? Because if you do, then this stuff never matters. It just doesn't matter. Well, what's their other choice? I mean, <laughs> I mean 
to go yeah. lose to Sacramento and make a bunch more mistakes and be afraid to shoot three pointers in the third quarter because they've missed a bunch. That's what I don't want to see again. Yeah, and and that I think that was really out of character for them. You know, I think uh, to see one guy do it, maybe you get it, but to see several guys question what I believe they're really good at. Um, and I get, I get it. If it's not working, you need to try something else. And I thought George Yang just came in and, and was that guy who said, look, this is, <laughs> this is what we need. This is what I'm good at. And I'm not going to change. So I don't think that was the character of the team that we've been seeing win or lose. Um, and you talk about the law of numbers, uh, you know, this game has gotten so much in analytics, and I, I know they have their place. Um, but, you know, we're talking about a team that has had an incredible season, including, you know, everything, right? I mean, ha- being a great team means that you figure out how to get through the, the difficult times because you're going to find them, right? There's just going to be those given nights when you and PK have a bad broadcast, right? I mean, you know, it just it just happens. Or you know, me and a, me and a, a limo, or me and me and Bowler screw up. So, I think this Jazz team. I think we've really seen who they are, and I think the law of numbers at the time, like you know, when they're going on these win streaks, is that really the Jazz or is this a fluke? No, I I think it's really them. I mean, I think the philosophy works. Uh, it's it's a high risk philosophy sometimes because the three is not going to fall, but that's when your defense. It really has to kind of equalize things. But, yeah, I agree. I, mean, I, I agree that this team has to, or Quinn has to look at this team and say, say, look where we are, look what we've accomplished. We've got a lot of work to do to, you know, to stay in that top spot or to, to have that top spot, to have an opportunity to, to, to continue to move on and win this championship. But, yeah, I, I, I think we, we've seen the, we saw the worst of the Jazz in these last two games. So I'm watching the game, the second game, and I'm watching Jordan Clarkson take a bunch of shots and missing. And I'm thinking to myself, pass the ball. When I look at the box score, he's got eight assists. And and then I was talking about how uh, I got up uh, early the next morning and I'm reflecting upon it. And I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to talk about at work today? And I'm thinking I've sort of changed my mind. Actually, I have changed my mind. I'm thinking, Jordan, by all means, man, keep firing away because that's what this team uh, needs, and that's how you help get this team to where it is and number one in the standings and all that stuff. So I'm totally fine with it. My only criticism is I don't want to see bad body language. you know. And I reflect back on uh, Gordon Hayward. I thought he had some bad body language sometimes. Now, he wasn't with a good team at the time, so maybe that uh, attributed to it. But if you miss 10 in a row, I, I want you to be cocky. I want you to keep firing away. And think that uh, don't show any weakness in your in your appearance in your body language. What do you say to that? Well, I, I think sometimes it's hard not to show frustration at something that you know you're you've been really good at. Um, and you know, Jordan Clarkson has had his moments. And I, I kind of had this discussion through social media with a guy who talked about you know Jordan needs to stop taking those shots. Um, he's not the same Jordan Clarkson as he was first half of the season. And I'm thinking, well, the same, the same Jordan Clarkson you're talking about, um, at, 
the beginning of the season, you're criticizing him now for taking the same shots but missing him. Right? So my point was, Jordan Clarkson has the ability and the freedom to really, um, to really put his mark on a game. Now, Jordan, Jordan doesn't get enough credit for the, for the work he does on the other end of the court. Um, but his job, and I can relate to this as a six man. I mean, you go back and look at some of my games, you know, when I, I was struggling one for 11 or two for 12, you know, I, I definitely wasn't going to stop shooting. I wasn't going to try to go outside myself and step out in the three point line. Cause that just wasn't my game. But Quinn has given JC freedom to go out and play a total game and offensively to be himself. Um, so, you know, you can't cheer for him when he's rolling and, and getting those potential six man accolades. And then when he's struggling, say, stop shooting. That's, that's ludicrous. Um, but you're right. I mean, you've got to be able to, uh, you know, to personally go, go through those things without, getting frustrated, you know, outwardly, because I think it just kind of exacerbates the problem, but every athlete goes through it. I mean, we've seen Rudy pick up a few texts because he gets a little emotional with the refs and, um, but he's, I think he's getting better at it, but each, each player, I think, uh, has the support of all the other guys. I think that's what makes this team special as well. Uh, and hopefully, you know, if we get Donovan back soon, I think this team will start, uh, clicking on those cylinders again. They have to. They have no other choice. Big T Thurl Bailey joining us, and I am interested in your take on the Suns. Uh, you know, as Chris Paul plays great late in his career, it seems like a couple things happen here, Thurl. One, you know, mentally you get so much better. All the scars, all the failures, all the times you didn't break through when you were 25, 26, 27, and you're 33, 34, 35. You, you do amazing stuff, and yet you constantly hear the window is closing because you never know when someone's productivity is just going to fall off a cliff, especially if you're one of the smaller guys, right? And it happens yeah. to big guys, but especially when you're one of the smaller guys. So are you surprised when you see the stuff he's pulled off this year? Are you surprised at how good the Suns are? Do you trust him to stay healthy in the playoffs because he's had a lot of postseason injuries? Big picture, what do you think about the Suns and Chris Paul? Well, I, I knew that the Suns would be better with the addition of Chris Paul, and, and he was going to elevate Booker's game as well. But, you know, I say this about Mike Conley as well. I know we're talking Chris Paul now, but I think they're kind of in that same category is that, you know, at some point your physical skills are going to start waning. Whether you were, you know, fast or could jump high, those things are going to dial down. Dial down. But if you can grasp the, you know, the IQ part, right? The part where you're taking your time and everybody else is, you know, running around and you're finding your space. Chris Paul to me is, is probably still one of the best mid range players that I've ever seen, especially being that size and being able to get his shot off when he wants on anybody he wants. He's kind of a slower version of a Steph Curry in that area. But, um, yeah, I mean, you saw what he did against the Knicks. Very clutch player, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of knocks on him, right, on teams that he's been on. But I think he's proven. And heck, he's making $41 million, so he's got to <laughs> go out and continue to prove his worth. But 
uh, yeah, I mean, he has really been that guy, that glue. And part of that is being able, being able to accept that you may be not the man, but you kind of are, right? I mean, Booker is the, is kind of that that all-star for that team, but Chris Paul is okay with it. And I think that's part of it. I'm okay with, with you know, making you better and you getting the limelight. And I'll get it every once in a while, like against the Knicks last night. But I think he's at the point of his career now where, you know, he really wants to win, get to that next level, and he'll do whatever it takes. Do you or do the Jazz, either of you, the Jazz and you, do you care who they play in the postseason? Um, I didn't really care. I mean, we it was it was discussed, right? Um, it was discussed about matchups, and and you look throughout the course of the season and see who you've matched up with, and not necessarily beat all the time, but see who who you've matched up with and and who gives you trouble. But I don't think there's an outright uh, conscious thinking of no, I don't want to play those guys. Uh, but I didn't really care. I don't really think the Jazz care. I mean, I, I think, knowing what I know about Quinn, it really is about getting the very best position you can, right, and getting home court advantage and getting those things that, that, that assist you in winning. But I'm not sure the Jazz really care. I mean, we can, we can go through the list and say, ah, I don't know if we want to meet those guys right now. The Lakers are dropping, and, you know, we might get them early. Um, but yeah, that's a good question, PK. I, I don't, I don't know where the Jazz stand on that, but I'm going to lean on the side of they don't, they don't really care who it is. They just want to be in the best position when the time comes. Don't you believe there's five really good teams in the West, and you don't know? Obviously, one of them is going to get knocked out before the first round. The Lakers will probably play the Nuggets, and one of one of the good teams in my mind will get knocked out, and then in the second round. Anything can happen, regardless of who the favorites are. Anything yeah. can happen. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, under the circumstances with the play-in games and and those kind of things, the teams are, I mean, look at what Steph's doing with the Warriors right now. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty good feat right now to, to step in and, you know, play those games, uh, play a, a series against that team. Um, if they come out of, you know, the playing game. So you're right. I mean, anything can happen. I think we've seen it. Uh, I think we've we've seen enough of some of the top teams going in and, and um, you know, starting out really good beginning of the playoffs and then like similar to what the Jazz did um, and also another end similar to what Denver did in the bubble, just uh, – being a totally different team. Look what the Brooklyn Nets are doing. I mean, they, they've got some great players on that team, but, um, you know, they're, they're looking at winning a championship. That's what they, that's why they put that team together. And so you're right. I mean, anything can happen. And I think that's why the jazz are really, it's really important for them to get back on that winning streak and the way we've seen them. And also more importantly, guys get healthy. So you had a birthday earlier this month. Is life better at 60? Life is great at 60, man. I mean, I, you know, 50 was a, was a big number, but 
60, you're like cruising, right? I mean, you're like on your Harley going up in the canyon and just, just cruising and taking in the sights and enjoying your family and sitting back and and enjoying what you do work-wise and working with great people. So, yeah, 60 is good. 60 is a good number because, you know, um, it's all downhill from here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> And do you really think it's all downhill, or do no. you feel like you're going to – I feel like you're more on the backstretch of Daytona. Ooh, I like that. You Analogy. are just dropping the hammer. You get to do what you want, largely, right? Your kids yep. are, are mostly grown and gone? Yep. Or completely grown and gone? No, he's still got one. Mostly. mostly. Got one more. Right, you got one more. Okay. Yeah, so I think you got more free time than you had. You're smarter because uh, just like NBA teams and NBA players, you've learned lessons that have come before, right? You're not you're not repeating the mistakes. Times are yeah. good. You got a better idea, big picture, where things are going. Wait, how old are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm a few years younger <laughs> what, than you. What are you talking about? I'm not that much younger than you, but I'm younger than you. But I'm not that much younger than you. <laughs> I'm, yeah, not, it's, it's, I'm not it's, 60, it's, but I can see it from where I'm standing. You can see it, right? <laughs> yeah, Through my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Thurl. Man, you dropped multiple law of numbers and then a through my eyes. Well played. Through my eyes. <laughs> through my eyes. Oh, guys. <laughs> see, you wouldn't have pulled this off at 40. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Oh. All right, Big T. We'll let you go. It was good having you on. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again, and we'll see more of you as the uh, as we get closer to the playoffs. Here, the countdown is on. We're not to single digits left in the regular seasons, but we're getting there. Eleven games left now. That's right. Do you remember when we used to count them down, baby? Yep, yep. Count them down. Nice. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, have a good oh before one. we go, before Uh-oh. we go. Oh, this is real important, and I feel bad I didn't bring it up till now. Uh, Dodger dogs are no longer going to be. Uh, Farmer John Dodger Dogs, they've had a party in the ways over money, as it turns out, at Dodger Stadium, which if you're in Southern California, everybody, they sell like 3 million Dodger Dogs a year. PK was talking about how when he goes to games, he can't believe the first time I went to a game that I didn't have a Dodger Dog till like the third inning. He said, you should have one before the game, and then you should have one in the second, in the fourth, in the sixth, in the eighth. I mean, how many hot dogs... How many hot dogs could one person eat in one game? Go for the record. Go for the record, <laughs> DJ. Go for the record. I've seen you, baby. Was it six or eight you threw down on the set? Uh, I think it was eight. <laughs> oh, we had it, what was the bet? Was the bet that it was uh, 10 or 12? It was a spontaneous thing. Pace and Thurl and I were doing jazz pre-half and post back in the D-Will era. And it was a road game, and there was a show or a concert or some reason there was something going on, and the concessions was open. And somehow it came up about you know my appetite and how many I could eat, and suddenly it was on. It was on, man, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. And it got preempted. Because the game was late, they must have been on the West Coast, and none of us took into account the concession stand was going to close. And all yeah. of a sudden it was over, they just rolled it, and I was at like eight, but I can tell you, PK, there's a lot of sodium in those things, and then you drink a lot of water and you're real uncomfortable, and it's just yeah, like, we, wait we, a minute, am I like 18 and a freshman in college? How stupid am I? Yeah, I'm uh, glad we didn't get to see the post game on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was a good Woo. time. Yeah, right? Yeah, and th- and 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 the, and the thing is, you were you were part of the problem, but man, Pace, he was just egging me on, so and I was just totally all in on it. It's stupid, and yet entertaining. Yeah. All these years later, very entertaining. I'd all like right, to see it again. 
<laughs> Thanks, Big T. <laughs> All right, guys. Appreciate you. All right. Big T, Phil Bailey. You'll see him on the Jazz broadcast. Matt Harpering and uh, Craig Bowlerjack, and they'll be back at it. Sacramento Kings, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, the pregame. DJ on radio here, uh, 7.30 on TV. DJ and PK, we're back to catch up on everything you missed in this show. Next, stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday, so I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. So that goes for all of us. Well, the Niners are not going to be backed into a corner here, and Kyle Shanahan is not going to tell you if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be traded during the course of this NFL draft. Maybe he will be, maybe he won't be, and he's not guaranteeing anything's going to be, anyone's going to be on the roster Sunday because somebody might have died, PK. It's kind of an extreme example, but he didn't have to answer the question, so there was that. I think Fred Warner will be on the roster Sunday. (laughs) You're going to take your chances with him? Pretty safe bet there. Nice player for them. I think the point being that, you know, who are they going to draft? Are they going to draft a quarterback? And uh, you think you're trading up for the opportunity to draft that quarterback, but which quarterback is it going to be? And then if you should want to move Garoppolo, whether it be back to the Patriots or any number of teams, you don't want to lose leverage and you want to get as much as you could possibly get. So, and then there's the idea of, well, if you draft a quarterback, which appears it's going to be, I don't know which one it's going to be, Mac Jones or Lance or whomever, uh, does that mean that that person starts from game one? Because the Niners then, they were right there. And so, you know, when you think of starting a rookie quarterback, the word that screams comes to mind, screams at you, is rebuild. And are the Niners in already and in a rebuild? Man, it seems like they were a contender yesterday. Well, the Rams and the Niners, you know, the NFC West had a couple teams in the Super Bowl in consecutive years. They both got beat, but they were both there. And the Rams have already given up on their young quarterback who, you know, all the stuff you're referring to there, you know, they invested in him and and they gave up on him. They traded him for Stafford. And are the Niners going to give up on Garoppolo? Usually when you have a young quarterback who gets you that far, you think you would invest in him and keep getting better because obviously you can get very close to winning it all with him. Right. So it's weird to me that not just one, but two teams who I thought were in very similar places would give up on their guys. But maybe it comes down to, yeah, they were all right, but we don't want to have to pay them. And there is a trend now towards trying to win with a good young quarterback on a rookie contract because once you pay them, you lose the roster flexibility because you don't have the money to go get the other guys. But Stafford isn't rebuild, though. No, he's not. It's so true. So it's a different yeah. situation. They give up on the quarterback. Okay, fine, I can go along with that. But that's where the similarities end. I mean, you're getting a quality veteran here. Yes, he is. Some say has been really good, just hasn't had the horses around him, and has been in a losing organization. And now going forward, he's not going to be. And so how is that playing out? I'm expecting that the Rams – think that at least they think they're going to contend for the NFC West, and so do I. I think they are going to contend. I'm expecting Stafford, health permitting, to have a real big season. And I don't know 
I couldn't even tell you today who's going to be the Niners starting quarterback in game one. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know who's on the roster, obviously. Uh, we'll know more Thursday. But even when they draft this guy, can I tell you right off the bat on Thursday, I mean, as the season progresses, if they do like the Jets did and Trey Darnold, then, okay, I can assume that Zach Wilson's going to be the starter. But until they get rid of Garoppolo, I can't say that for sure. Yeah, I think the 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 um, the more accurate answer uh, is I. This isn't just about Jimmy G. This, this is about the whole roster. I don't want to guarantee you any player is going to be on the roster. Draft days are crazy, and it's not just this club who will cre- hear crazy offers. So for NFL teams to start guaranteeing you stuff. Um, I mean, it's probably true, but I'm not going to set it up so that you can come in here and say you lied to me either. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's where it really sits. Crazy. Someone could call and offer you something crazy because they're desperate to move up and get their guy, whoever their guy is. So, you know, this isn't, this isn't really just a Jimmy G question. This is to the whole roster. And all these guys are pros, and in the locker room, all the smart people know this. All of them. Well, and they're also struggling with salary cap issues as it is. So this could be something where, okay, teams like, hey, we'll take X number of dollars off your hand. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. All right, that's kind of the uh, the NFL news. It's a Groundhog Day for college football. We've got a Republican from Ohio and a Democrat from Missouri who have co-sponsored the Student Athlete Level Playing Field Act in Congress to uh, give players the right to earn money through endorsements and sponsorship deals. It seems like we have been told for at least three years now, PK, that we're at the the, the verge of uh, name, image, and likeness. And players are going to be compensated for their name, their image, and their likeness. So they can go out and make this money, but it hasn't happened. And it seems like it's been just weeks or months away, except for three or four years now. Uh, yeah, any decade now, it's going to happen. <laughs> We did talk a little baseball earlier this morning. The Giants, everyone's talking Padres and Dodgers and given the way their games went uh, and the fact that the Dodgers are the defending champs, there's nothing wrong with that, and that's all spot on. But who's 15-8 and eight and tied for the best record in Major League Baseball? Well, Oakland and San Francisco with the Dodgers, all of 15-8. and eight. So look out. That's awesome, man. The Giants, absolutely. I mean, they... You know, they had the inevitable rebuild. Uh, you win three World Series in a five-year span, I think it was, uh, last decade. You're obviously going to have to ha- age out of the system, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, they still got a couple of guys. Crawford, although he didn't play last night. And Posey. Posey, Posey took last year, off, last year off and has come back, and he's playing well. I, I believe Posey's a Hall of Famer. I think they'll have two guys off those World Series teams who will make the Hall of Fame, and that will be uh, Bumgarner. And Posey. Where does Posey go down in Giants history if he takes this year off and now with another group comes back? And what if they do the unthinkable and come out of nowhere and win it all? I think he goes ahead of Willie Mays. Of <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Move it, over, fill-in-the-blank Giants player. Buster Posey's passing you. He becomes a legend, and I think he's on his way to legendum. Yeah. Because uh, he's... And they win. I mean, there's, there's, it's like the NBA, you know. People can put up stats, but there's something to be said for winning, and that's the Chris Paul argument right now. What level of MVP consideration does Chris Paul deserve? He's not going to have the gaudy stats. but And the team was going to get better 
even if they had Rubio there but this as is a point guard. Quantum but, yeah, leap. But this is a massive yeah. leap, no doubt about it, and he deserves a ton of credit. I mean, Chris Paul has been a statesman in this league now, and he does the commercials, the insurance, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So he's been a known commodity throughout the league for a number of years. But I think this is his greatest achievement. And uh, yet the story is far from being over, too. You know, how, how what's going to be the ending? I, you know, we'll, we'll see in the postseason. But winning matters, and if you're integral to winning – Chris Paul is to Phoenix, and Buster Posey is to the Giants. I don't really care what your stats are. <laughs> right? W's, baby. Trophies, yeah. championships, yeah. parades. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Chris Paul, the Suns end the Knicks' nine-game winning streak, 118-110. Booker went for 33. Chris Paul with a couple of really big shots down the stretch, one of them off balance. It looked like it was out of control. Everything about his body suggested it was out of control, but the shooting motion and form was pretty good, and the shot went in. Chris Paul making big plays at the end, and the Suns move within one game of the Jazz. Setting it up for Friday night to have the best record in the NBA. It could happen. Two big games now. They're coming home after they go 3-2 and two on this Eastern road trip. They're coming home for the Clippers on Wednesday and the Jazz on Friday. And the Clippers lost to the Pelicans, 120-103. So Jazz are a game up on the Suns and two up on the Clippers. Yeah, wow, that would be something, you know, to hold on to first place for so long and then finish third. Yeah. That doesn't seem what you want obviously and very well could happen i don't know but it's not something that you want although that would to me that would give you a little bit of an extra edge too again you kind of stumbled down the stretch obviously and so what are you going to do about it now so that, that would be fun to see uh either way it's going to be fun to see you know how they're going to how they're going to rebound from whatever's going on here i would like to see them both win tomorrow Set up something uh, that, uh, you know, first place on the line. Make it a little more dramatic on a Friday night in Phoenix. Well, the most dramatic would be if the Jazz, uh, if the if the Suns beat the Clippers and the Jazz screw up and lose in Sacramento and they are tied for first going into that game. And then the Jazz win it and go back yeah, to Friday. Yeah, well, actually they wouldn't be tied <laughs> for first because the Suns would have the uh, the Yeah, they have the tiebreaker, yeah. Yeah, the Jazz, uh, the Suns have the tiebreaker over the Jazz. The Jazz have the tiebreaker over the Clippers. Yeah, so you obviously don't want to finish tied with them if that's what you want. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Mike Conley gets a lot of assists every night. Too bad most of them are to the other team. Utah Jazz fans should be happy that the Jazz are actually making the NBA a better league because every crappy team is bringing their A game and proving that they can all play basketball if they put their minds to it. Everybody just hates Utah, and that's a fact. Every Jazz loss proves that people hate Utah, PK. I know I hate them when they lose. (laughs) (laughs) Use the open mic. Grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic feature. And you can send us your takes right there. Conley, too many turnovers. You know, it's not like one guy's doing this. They're hitting the 20 turnovers, and there's usually at least three or four guys with too many turnovers. No, nobody gets all the credit for these games. Yeah, but they only had 11 last night. I yeah. predicted 10. You I did. I missed it by one. Yes. But 10 was, you were aggressive. That's an aggressive total. If you hold a 10 in an NBA game, I think the league leaders usually turn it over 12, 13 times a game. So... 
Usually right. I see a number there, I'm okay with it. You get to 10, then that is, you know, that is a very good number. Because you've got to have some kind of uh, risk take, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, in a game. All right, you're hitting us up on Twitter all day long. David DJ James, your feedback, what you uh, think about, uh, well, we know what you all think about last night's game. <laughs> Josh says, hey, were the Jazz trying to get better when they gave the Lakers a win? Quinn doesn't have answers right now because he knows they have zero inside game when the threes aren't falling. Zero ability to run a fast break. Zero ability to run a fast break? Yeah, I don't buy that. I get more, I mean, zero ability to have an inside game. I get that. I did think that in that third quarter when things were really going wrong and it was getting later and everybody could feel it, I was waiting for Joe to check back in the game thinking – Either he gets one of the he hits Rudy on an easy bucket on a pick and roll or uh, or favors whoever he's in with and or he gets a layup himself. I did think they could use something going to the hoop. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Clarkson gets to the hoop and I thought he did. And some of them, I mean, he had a four footer that hit the rim three times and came out. I don't know how the heck that happened, but it did. Uh, but the inside game it can get a little limiting. You know, I, I thought Boyan did a good job of. He's got that move, you know, change directions twice, back in, and then he took a shot and hit the backboard and went all the way over and didn't hit the rim. You know, so that, that's when you know things are really going bad. It's like, okay, he wants to take an eight or ten footer here instead of a three. I get that. And he missed the rim. He did. I remember it very well. Yeah. So, but at least they were looking for some of those. But there's no question that when they get Donovan Mitchell back, you know, the points in the paint should go up. Uh, Mitchell's great at, at getting stuff inside of five or six feet going to the hoop. Uh, but the zero ability to run a fast break, that just comes down to taking the opportunities off the long rebounds and obviously whatever you can force off turnovers. And I thought they got a few of those going late in the game when they got back in it. You know, Mitchell saved this franchise from going into a deep rebuild again after Fay- or, uh, Hayward left. Mm-hmm. And now is he going to save this season? Well, it's funny, and I saw a lot of this on Twitter last night. You know, there are people who complain about hero ball and – because Donovan tries to take over late in games. But now I think after watching these last two games, people would totally sign up for Donovan taking over in the last three or four minutes. Come on back and play some hero ball. Take over. Well, hero ball, if it goes in, yeah. Right. Then you're a hero. If it doesn't go in, you're a bum. I mean, that's but that's the nature of sports. Mm-hmm. Josh says taking that many three-pointers means no free throws. No easy transition. Long rebounding droughts. 40 is one thing. 59 is an embarrassing, lazy joke. <laughs> well, that's the way I was feeling in the moment. Uh, but I'd have to evaluate all of them, which they do, I'm sure. Yeah, they do. Ten times over. Yeah. Uh, because this morning I, I've thought, well, you know, you are who you are, and so you've got to be able to – succeed at what you're best at because if you don't you're going to lose so you know you can't get in a situation and then all of a sudden change everything because that probably isn't going to lead to success either but you could be smarter and take better shots i've you know i don't have any problem if a guy feels like hey, it's not really falling for me tonight from the outside mm-hmm. but i got to do other, so i've got to do other things now you look at clarkson other things. I mean, he did have eight assists, so he was doing other things, uh, and maybe go to the hot hand. That's why I loved that Coach Schneider gave Niang extended minutes 
where he normally wouldn't have. Yeah. And because he had it going on. Alter the rotation, yep. Yeah, and I felt like in, down the stretch, in my mind, the only two I wanted to see take threes were Conley and George. Conley ended up three of nine. Yang ended up four of nine. Royce O'Neal was two for five. Forty percent. Can't really complain about it. Well, if he's totally open, right? It's almost like the, the, with 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 O'Neal, and it's throughout the game. It isn't uh, particular to any point in the game. If you are totally open, and the situation demands you to take it, take it. The one thing I thought early in the year is they have so many shooters they can't all go cold at the same time. Now Mitchell is out, obviously, but if Mitchell is out, and I tell you. Bogey's one for seven from three. Clarkson's one for ten, and Joe is three for thirteen. Well, you're struggle. Yeah. What do you think happened? Right. And those those are their numbers for that game. Yeah. And, and so maybe it's just getting Mitchell back, and everything's going to be fine. Well, I think it goes to the point that even with Mitchell, their margin of uh, their margin for error isn't that great. I think if you want to come out of um, if you want to come out of uh, these two games with anything positive, it's that they've kept defending. Most of the time when they've gotten in trouble this year, they haven't defended. And I think, you know, at the end of the night, when you look up and you see the Timberwolves have 105 points, I know you can nitpick, and I know there were mistakes, but 105 I, is not a bad number in the NBA these I days. I can think of one mistake. Yeah, I bet you can. I bet everybody can who's watching at the end of the game. Uh, but when, if, when they get Mitchell back... You know, if they hold teams to 105, I would think they're going to win way more than they lose because they have all year. It's once they start giving up more than 110 points, they're, that's when they become a pretty mediocre team. So they're still defending, so I don't think, you know, all hope is lost because Mitchell's going to get other guys easier shots. The second he walks on the court, he'll be the focus of the defense again. And other people are finding out what it's like when the defense can focus on you. Clarkson yeah. certainly is. He is a marked man when he comes on the court, you know. So, all right, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up. Stay with us.